there's anything I can tell you, it's that the best place to hide is in your mind. Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft Correspondence. Ooh. You have to introduce yourself. I'm not introducing you. Okay, in the name of feminism, I'm Hannah Ray Lambert, co-host of Between Lewis and Lovecraft, and this is Tyler Clausen. Because who- he can introduce me for once. Equality. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a new era, everybody. <laughs> 2020, it took yeah. us this long. <laughs> I was so, I re-listened, I'm editing our last episode, uh, the relationships episode, and I was giggling so much while I was editing the first part where I'm like, I'm not going to fucking introduce you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, laughter you hear in the background is our guest for this episode of Correspondence, Allie Fitzgerald, one of our favorite people. One of our absolute Yay. favorite people. Hi, Allie. <laughs> You guys are one of my favorite people. I need to come down to Oregon and meet you kids. Come you down. do need to come up come to down. Oregon. <laughs> come down. The direction is life. That no is one. honestly one of my biggest pet peeves. And, and I get so much shit for it because everybody in my family does it. They're like, oh, yeah, you're going up to Eugene. And I'm like, no, I'm going down to Eugene, you dumbest. <laughs> I think that's something that especially people who don't live on the West Coast, they do a lot. They're like, where is Oregon? Is it the one above California? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Allie, you are a member of one of the greatest live D&D uh, actual play shows. There is. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I've been really, I have not watched any of you guys' side quests, um, but like every single time I get on YouTube, it's like the first thing that shows up. Like, <laughs> Gosh dang it. I don't have time for this, damn it. But I'm It's hard. It's long form content. So yeah. yeah. Uh you <laughs> also have your own podcast. Uh which in a roundabout way, like I had already known about the Fables of Refuge, but then I found you through your podcast and then got back to Fables of Refuge through that. Um the uh Best Friends Playbook. Yes. And you guys are on your second season now. Yeah, so currently we are in our second season, um, and I, I've been enjoying our second season a lot more because I think that we've finally figured out um, more of a rhythm on like how to discuss the episodes. Because when we first started, we, we were very like making out like full scripts and yeah. like detailed everything, and it was very like structural based. Um, but we just needed some sort of like balance because like I'm sure you guys experienced this with your podcast in the beginning you're talking about like a full body of work right and you're like we could just be all over the place and not know what to talk about and like i think our first five episodes there were so many like um or (laughs) i don't know what to put here or say and so like now we can't stop talking over each other right and we've gotten better at like having our episodes pretty short from anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes oh okay see we're kind of doing the opposite (laughs) we're we like before it was so structured that uh, Hannah would make it, so there's no way we're going over 50 minutes. <laughs> now I have learned how to interrupt her so much that I can push an episode out to a minute or an hour 10. Yeah. <laughs> hour 15. It's getting there. I was definitely in the beginning, like way more structured. Like I thought everything had to be perfectly written out, the outline had to be you know cover everything and now i'm just like eh, tyler's gonna interrupt anyway so <laughs> it's less pressure for me it's totally true i i and i kind of knew that going in and she you know i asked her to do majority of the work and she'd be like oh uh, 
you know, all structured. I'm like, yeah, you do you, you do you, you do it the way you want to do it. And then, and then like, by the time we finished our first five, I think you had figured out. <laughs> I was uh, like, okay. Oh shit. Uh, I don't need to do as much prep as I thought. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's no, uh, there's no risk of awkward silences. <laughs> Somebody's going to come up with something to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think structures help when you're first starting a podcast because you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh 100%. Especially since we didn't know each other that well yeah. beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. I, I'm so excited that you're here. I am. Um, and I'm like, I reached out to you to see what you want to talk about. And, and what you brought back was just, just the most perfect answer. Cause like, we've wanted to talk about it, but also we want to save it for yeah, later. Well, we want to save, we, we want to save Rowling's journey for later, for later, you know, because it's a big, it's a big author to get. And I, I like the idea of spacing out our really big authors, you know, like Stephen mm-hmm. King and then Rowling and, and all that. Was Me so too. So, um, I guess to get into it, when what, did, when what did, house are you in? That's no, what we no. all need to establish yeah. right now. Ooh, wait, I'm actually pretty good at guessing. Oh. I mean, I did just post the other day on Instagram about this. So. Well, okay. <laughs> oh, well, I, I didn't see that post, Tyler, so I won't <laughs> okay. okay. I think Hannah is, I feel like she has Ravenclaw tendencies, but I think you're actually a Slytherin. Oh, do, do you want me to tell you what Pottermore told me? Yeah. Pottermore said Hufflepuff. Ooh. And That it, makes no sense to me. It phrased it in a really nice way because at first I was mm. devastated, but it's like, you have some of the best qualities of every house. And I was like, okay, you're just trying to like soften me up now. <laughs> well, well, besides what Pottermore said, what do you feel like you are? I always felt like I was more Ravenclaw. Okay. I just feel like you have Slytherin tendencies based on some of the conversations we've had. <laughs> you know, I, I, I take that as a compliment. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Tyler. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like Tyler's a Hufflepuff. What possible reason <laughs> could you think that I'm a Hufflepuff? <laughs> you know exactly why. No, You're so nice. Out. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's out there. I got to run. I thought I was going to get in front of it, but hold on a second. Okay, um, something popped up on the Zoom screen that he has to X oh. out. Gotcha. Um, did, yeah, so you were 100% right on Tyler. <laughs> I think the Instagram post he was referring, he has like a Hufflepuff hat. And was there something else you were wearing? I am 100% Hufflepuff, but here's the, sh- the short story that goes with that. I took the test a long time ago, found out I was Hufflepuff, and I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. 100%. I agree with that. Even though I was kind of like, what? Puts me in the same house as Edward. Weird. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Cedric Diggory is one of the best characters ever. Well, we need to get this out of the way right yeah, 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 yeah. He is not Edward Cullen. <laughs> no. He is Cedric Diggory and has always been Cedric Diggory. I, the Twilight fandom took him from us, but he is Cedric. He's not I, Edward. I agree with you completely. After I read the book... And watching the movie again and again and again and again, I agree with you completely. No problems there. Uh, but <laughs> then Pottermore went and restructured or something, so you had to like sign in again into a whole new portfolio or por- uh, yeah, profile. Profile. Um, at least it did that to me. And when I took it again, it told me I was Gryffindor. Mm. 
and I, I was flip flops because like I've taken a few different tests and I flip flop between Hufflepuff and Gryffindor. Yeah, no, I I can understand that. I could be like I could see it being like okay, you're you're Gryffindorish. You know, you you like to do your your sort of. It's like okay. But I don't like this answer, so delete my account and restart. I literally deleted my account and restarted. I was like, if I get Gryffindor again, I will accept it. But I got to try for Hufflepuff. So I took it again. You know what it gave me? Gryffindor. Ravenclaw. Dang. See, that's why, like... That means you are Hufflepuff. So I deleted it again. No. And I took it a fourth time, and you know what I got? Slytherin. I got all four houses, motherfucker. And then... What I realized was uh, in the in the um, uh, mythology of it all, um, they talk about like, you know, the that um, Hufflepuff took the brave and blah, blah, blah. Gryffindor. Sorry. Yeah. Gryffindor took the brave. Slytherin took the cunning and Ravenclaw took the intelligent and uh, Hufflepuff took the rest. So like there's there's a little bit to be said that like I'm a little bit of everything. Because mm-hmm. like I didn't really fit in with any of them, so so Hufflepuff would have just taken me. Took the rest. So, you, Allie, you said you got Gryffindor once and Hufflepuff once. Yeah, like I've always felt like a Gryffindor, um, but I've taken a couple tests where it's 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 done both. Okay. So I think my my sub house is Hufflepuff, but I don't like doing like people call themselves like Grifflepuffs or. Hufflepuffs or like they do like those hybrid names. Sure. I don't really support that. I think it's more of like how how Rowling said that like Hermione was supposed to be in Ravenclaw, but she wanted to be in Gryffindor. Yeah, so it's like it's about your choice. Yeah, and I like that. I think you should get to choose your house. Yeah, I agree. Because even yeah, cause, they even talk about it with Harry is he supposed to be Slytherin? But yeah, and he, then Ron and Neville were supposed to be in Hufflepuff. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's cool that there's there's that that decision in there, you know? Yeah. Free will. So in terms of reading the books for the first time, how old were you? How did you come upon the the Harry Potter books? Um, I was in the fifth grade, and me and my friend Brittany were like, these books are really stupid. Everyone, like, can't talk, stop talking about them. And then we're like, fine. We're just going to see what this is about. We read the first chapter, and all we comprehended was a stupid cat sitting on a porch. (laughs) But then um, we couldn't stop reading. She ended up stopping after, like, the second book, but then I just kept going after that. I think she eventually caught up, but, like, yeah, we pretty much got into them because we were just like, what is with all the hype? I think that's how uh, a lot of people end up finding books they really like or shows they really like. They're like, this is probably so stupid. I'm just going to watch it just to hate it. Yeah. Um, we just like we're like we need to understand what the big deal is about all this. So, yeah, that's how I got into it. So, by the time you started reading it, how many books were out? Uh, three. Okay. So, did you yeah. like kind of binge the first three? Oh, that's a good question. I actually don't know because it's so long ago. But I think I don't know if I necessarily binge, but I think I just kept like reading them. Mm. I eventually did catch up to. I think I finally got through them and then had to wait for the fourth book. Gotcha. I re- finally got up to like release dates. I remember those like year long waits in between the books and how awful it was. 
Yeah, I definitely became one of those people who, like, once the book came out, I, I binged it. Like, there were some people who read it in, like, 24 hours, and I'm like, I need to sleep still. But it was pretty much like, I woke up, I read, I slept, I read. So I would get through a book in, like, three days. That's what I had to do with the seventh one, because it came out, like, right before I was going camping or something and my mom and I were sharing one book so she was like you can't take it with you camping so I had yeah so I had to read the whole thing in 24 hours it was hard so you're saying uh Allie you're saying that you you were introduced you didn't really comprehend it too much but you ended up catching on and staying with it as it came out basically yeah because I think that like like re because I haven't reread the books, but I've re-listened to the books because sure. I got a hold of a Stephen Fry audiobook. Ooh, Ooh that's got to be a good one. Um, I'll send it to you guys. Um, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> it's way better than Jim Dale. And whenever I talk to people who listen to Jim Dale, they get super offended. I'm like, he's terrible. Stephen Fry is amazing. <laughs> it doesn't even matter um, if the other guy is terrible. Stephen Fry is Stephen Fry. Like, exactly. You can't do better than him. You can't. And like, his, you just have to listen to it. But so... Since like re-listening uh, to those, um, sorry, what was your question? I, I asked. Very- I asked. So I'm I'm just trying to understand because I'll ask Hannah too in a second. Like you, you were introduced to it through the first two books that yes. you didn't really seem to enjoy, but you you wanted to keep reading. Gotcha. Okay, so the first chapter I thought was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get you. Because I didn't fully understand what was going on uh-huh. but by probably like chapter six I was like hooked yeah okay yeah it was just like I had never read a book like with that much detail uh-huh because I was in the fifth grade at this point and I think most of the books I'd read were like really into this one book called like Mandy's Horse or something oh my like, god my wife familiar. has all of the Mandy books Okay, so you know what they are. Like, it's Uh, about this girl who's, like, she races horses, and it's written in first person, and it's clearly written for, like, someone in, like, second or third grade. It's, like, very low-level reading. Um, There was also these books called, like, Barkley or something. was about a dog. Oh, my gosh. I also know what that is. I couldn't tell you what it is. I just know that I know it. It's because of Scholastic Book Fairs that came to school. Yeah. And they had these cute little covers, and I was, like, all obsessed. And, like, I would read a lot of books, but I felt like I was reading books that were very much more for, like, my grade versus, mm-hmm. like, challenging myself. Yeah. I was so reading, Harry Potter I was, was reading lower grade. Like, I should have been reading more Animorphs, but instead I just read more Captain Underpants. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Space Brat. You guys ever read Space Brat? No. No, I've heard of that one. Oh man, that was my jam. And right now, my brain is being flooded with with nostalgia. With memories. <laughs> yeah, but Harry Potter is definitely what got me into like young adult novels, like yeah. mostly fantasy based. So it definitely upped like my comprehension and game for me. Sure. Nice. What about you, yeah. Hannah? What was your intro? What was your? Um, How did you lose? Uh, Sorry. How did no. you lose your Harry Potter virginity? <laughs> so um, if I remember it correctly, I think my aunt bought me the first book when I was in kindergarten. So it was like right when they were coming out. I think the mm. first two were out at that point. So I started reading it really in early. In kindergarten? Yeah. 
and I know I'm remembering this correctly because at the time Damn. I I like got obsessed with Harry Potter right away like as soon as I started reading it and at the school I went to for kindergarten there was this kid who for some reason I thought he looked just like Harry Potter looking back he looks nothing like Harry <laughs> Potter at all and I think at the same time I had my first like one of those like um film cameras that you can get like uh processed or whatever at Bymart. Yeah. Um, like an instant and camera. So yeah. So okay. I I made him like pose for me as Harry Potter. Oh I took a picture gosh. and then I drew like a scar on it or something. And oh, I yeah, that's amazing. Because of the school it was, I know that it was in kindergarten. So Anna yeah. was was a very young cosplay photographer. Yeah. That's right? what she was. <laughs> I think I still have those pictures somewhere. It's just so embarrassing. But yeah, so I started reading it really early. Can you please find those so we can share them? I will try to find them. Oh my God, that'd be great. But yeah, so I read the first two. And then after that, I think I had to wait for all of them. But yeah, yeah, I was like really into it from a young age. Nice. Nice. And then uh, what about you, Tyler? Did you you watch the movies first or did you read any of them first? So I was, I was, um, I was young. I remember being on the top bunk of my bunk bed and I was grounded, which is not a unnormal thing to have happen in young Tyler's life. Um, and my dad was like, look, if you're going to be grounded, you're going to be productive. Here's a book. And I don't know where he got it. I don't know why he chose that one, but he chose Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Oh no, the second the one. The second one. <laughs> so, well, the good thing for you is that Rowling states everything that happened in the prior yes. book in the first chapter, which I always was like, this is annoying. But if you're a younger kid, yeah. or if you're just picking up the book for the first time, yeah. you're not going to miss too much. It's yeah. also and helpful it's when really you go back important. and reread. I and it was it was at a weird time in my life where I I think my dad's biggest thing he wanted me to start reading more and so that was his first attempt and I read maybe the first like two chapters two or three chapters I remember thinking about the bars on his window and then the car pulling it off the window mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was like I was really like oh this is weird and then I literally <laughs> never picked it up again <laughs> Uh, and Those then, first chapters, man, they're rough. Yeah. And then my my dad ended up, you know, like trying other other books, and eventually I I caught on to reading in a different direction. And I always I always remembered that. And then like I played, I went to a friend's house and played one of the Harry Potter games for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, I guess. Um, I always knew Harry Potter. I always knew of Harry Potter well enough to get by as as a nerdy person. But it wasn't until I worked at a movie theater um, when I was probably like uh, around 22, 23. So like eight years ago. It wasn't wasn't long ago. Um, well, I mean, it was long ago, but it wasn't like that long ago. And uh, and I was working there and they did a midnight premiere of um, the second to last movie. So part one of The Deathly Hollows. And uh, I was working it and I, you know, saw everybody cosplaying and coming in and stuff. And I was like, man, this group looks so fun. And then I, as a, as a perk of working for the theater, I could go see movies whenever I wanted. And I went and saw that my first Harry Potter movie was Deathly Hollows part (laughs) one. (laughs) And I was like, oh shit, this movie's awesome. They're like shooting wand magic at each other in a subway. This is so great, man. So I immediately, literally that day after I got off work, 
went to a used uh, game and DVD store, and I bought the entire series up to that point for $5 each. I got the whole series, and I forced Rebecca to watch it with me, and we both were like, yep, this is the shit. (laughs) And then we watched it like probably once more, and then I started buying the books. Every time I was at Goodwill and I'd see a used copy, I'd buy the book and I'd start reading it. And then now I've watched all the movies like – 10 times each. I have the Blu-ray collection and I'm on the fifth book right now. Okay. Hearing this story, uh, I realized that they're only on the fifth book. Yeah, Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) Oh, dear God. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Hannah. Oh, I was just going to say, this is the first time I found out that Tyler and I were totally at the theater that same night because I was one of the cosplayers seeing the midnight showing. Were you really? (laughs) Yeah. I was, I mean, I wasn't like full cosplay, but were, I was wearing like the Gryffindor tie. You were like tie. 16, 17 at that time, right? Yeah, probably 16 when that one came out. Okay. Uh, yeah, my sister was there. We made her Luna Lovegood glasses because she has um Aww. like crazy curly blonde hair. So, That's yeah. funny. Yeah, we were totes there. <laughs> I saw Deathly Hollows part one by myself because I was living in San Francisco at the time. Okay. And I, I didn't know that many people and I was like, I have to see this movie so I went watched it <laughs> totally sat by myself sobbed over Dobby's death all by myself oh yeah see I was totally like whatever like oh this little gremlin creature died oh no and then you go back and watch all the movies and so like so when I went and bought all of them the first one was still in theaters so we watched the first six and then I took Rebecca to theaters to watch that before the second one came out and so then it hit because I forgot in that time frame, like, I had forgotten that Dobby dies. Oh. And so I, I rewatched all, or I watched all of them, got to that point, and then when he dies at the end, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but, Tyler, like, your impact, because you haven't finished the books, you, like, you don't even know how deep your connection's going to get with Dobby. Like, oh, really? he does a lot for Harry and Five, but, oh, my God, Six. You don't even know. <laughs> you have so much to learn. I do, and and I don't I don't uh, discredit that at all. It's just like I I started um, doing a lot more by the time I got to five. That's when I started my own company and you know podcasting a lot more and going to school for stuff. So like there's just and then with this show, I have no time to read for fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no excuse. You got to finish this. Oh, series. okay, yeah. But okay, yeah. so Al. Oh, go ahead. Well, hold on, real quick. I have to like, I have to get this, like Tyler. If we're gonna finish this episode, <laughs> because you've seen all the movies, I have to talk book spoilers. Otherwise, I can't do this episode with like my truest heart. It's totally fine. You're not gonna, you're not gonna ruin anything for me. I okay. enjoy Harry Potter, Harry Potter enough that nothing will be spoiled. Okay. Yes. So, Ali, uh, just some of the basics. Do you have a favorite book? Do you have a favorite movie? Any? Um, book three is my favorite. Yes. Yes, that was mine, too, for the longest All time. All of us? All of us? Well, it switched after oh. the seventh one. Got it. Gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's my favorite because Harry finally gets someone in his life that's actually, like, the closest to family. Um, and I'm also really obsessed with the Marauders, like, me and my friends, there was this girl that hung out with us. She doesn't anymore, but, like, she was very, like, pro James Potter, and we were all, like, uh, pro Severus Snape. Ah, uh, gotcha. <laughs> so, 
so we would always joke about like how like James was like a total bully and she was like well Snape's a creep and we just had like this bigger banter about it but I love the relationship between like those four guys like when they were growing up are you um, like ever... I really want a Marauders movie are you ever Ooh. gonna do an, an episode on the Marauders the best friends playbook uh no no because there's not like enough material source material yeah source material Oh. Um, I can say this because by the time this airs, our season will be done. Um, we're doing two episodes, or we're doing like a, one episode, but it's going to be split into two parts of Harry Potter. Oh, okay. And Crystal and I made a big decision that we're only going to cover Harry, Ron, and Hermione because there's so many friendships in that series. Yeah. And it would just be exhausting to go through all of them. Hmm. And like, as much as we love like different factions, like, we just can only deal with those three. Yeah. Because the thing we've learned is that, like, doing TV shows is actually really hard and exhausting for us. Because there's so many cast members, so many stories. There's so many episodes, too. Like, we did yeah. Friends with Joey and Chandler, and that was just, like, it was a chaotic episode. Yeah. Um, And we did Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which was fine because there was only three seasons. But, like, we've talked about others. Like, we really love Grey's Anatomy, but, like, it's probably just oh. never going to happen. <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's too hard. Yeah. So like I love the Marauders, but I don't yeah, like like Hannah said, there's not enough source material and there's just also too many friendships to choose from in Harry Potter. So that it, makes sense. if if she ever comes out with a Marauders book and or movie, would mm-hmm. you do it at that point? Would you jump on that yeah. train? Yeah. Yes, because then we we would focus solely on like those materials. Sure. Cause yeah. I agree. I, I think that it's I always love when there is a cool group of people that you don't get to see enough of in mm-hmm. any given story. Like we have the Knights of Ren in Star Wars mm-hmm. and they're totally wasted. Like that they could have been the coolest fucking people in the entire series, but we don't get to see them. I think that's part of the appeal though, too, having a lot unknown about these characters. Sure. Makes mm-hmm. them more mysterious, which is perfect yeah. for the Marauders. <laughs> And yeah. and I love how much the Marauders have taken over like Tumblr and Pinterest and like you get so many fanfics about them and I remember seeing someone did like a web comic with shots of different movies and they've picked their cast of Marauders and like uh uh the uh the guy that played Spider Man, um Which one? Andrew Garfield is like one of the Marauders and and then each like each one has a cast and then like Lily, they have someone playing Lily and so they have all There's- these actually a marauder short film on uh youtube is it really yeah i'll send it to you it's only like 25 minutes it's actually like a really good fan film wow i'll have to check that out because i get into that i do like nerd out about that stuff a lot yeah um and then my favorite movie um i think is the order of the phoenix Hmm. because i liked that the movies got darker and then we also got to meet all the characters that were in the order of the phoenix right yeah which is like I feel like that's also when, like, the story also changes completely. Oh, you feel like... Well, I agree with you. I feel like that shift really happens at the end of 4. Um. Yeah, I mean, someone even argue it happens actually at the end of 5 because that's when um, they finally... Well, that's when everyone finally believes that Voldemort's back. Sure. True. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a very tangible yeah. shift there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I just really like the fifth movie because we get to see all the characters at Grimmauld Place mm-hmm. and we get more of Sirius and Lupin. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> Do you have 
can you choose a favorite character or several? Um, I think. Um, well, my favorite teacher is Sirius, uh, is Severus Snape. Um, when I first was reading the books, like I always felt like he was good in my heart. So when I opened up the sixth book and he was doing the unbreakable curse, I was like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. I was like, this can't be true. Like it has to be fake. So like, I was just going through a whole lot of emotions from book six to seven. Um, I, the, the I thought it was weird because, because oh. for me, I like from the beginning, from the second you see that he's not the bad guy in one i was like oh he's a good guy like he is like the he's gonna be one of the best people like it it never caught me off guard that he ended up being one of the best people oh it caught me off guard i was like oh this dude's an asshole i hate him yeah, like, so many people growing up it was the books were coming out like they hated snape they thought he was bad like there were arguments about whether or not he was good or bad yeah and i think she did a really good job writing that mystery um so i guess i'll go by like teachers and students and it's because sure. there's so many of them yeah do you real quick though do you think that your love of snape is also a love for alan rickman's portrayal like he no, did because such... i loved snape before um i watched the movie okay okay cool mm -hmm. i i fell in love with him in book one gotcha yeah That's there was impressive. like there was something just the way that she was writing him that i was like he has to be good he has to mm. um and i i don't remember like this, the thing that did it because again it was so long ago but I just remember like when I found out he was good I felt like J.K. Rowling had answered all these questions that I'd had in my mind about Snape Yeah, and I was like how could an author possibly know what all of my questions are mm. and I that's why I just felt like it was such good writing sure nice see and I yeah. I, I, I like um, as a book, I like Prisoner of Azkaban because you and I talked to somebody else about this recently, probably for one of our other correspondence episodes. You can see a a, a huge difference in her writing between mm -hmm. the first two and the third book. Mm -hmm. She became such a better writer, and it's almost like like you were telling me the other day when you're reading my stuff. Like, oh, you can see a difference between what your old stuff is and your new stuff. You might need to go back and rewrite <laughs> your old stuff. Like that scares me because. And I see that in other writers. I think that's definitely true with the writing. I think her storytelling was so well developed from the first one, though, because everything tied together yeah. so well. Yeah. So she, like, had this whole world planned out from book one, which was amazing. Like, reading it as a kid, I did not have any respect for that. I was like, oh, this is so basic. Like, she's just <laughs> making it up as she goes along, blah, blah, blah. And then I get to the end, and I'm like, oh, awkward. Yeah. <laughs> she knew everything. Um, but okay. I also like Snape because he's very petty. I yeah. think it's hilarious how yeah, petty is. he is and that he's only protecting Harry because of Lily, but he still hates Harry because he sees him as like a like James a smaller son. version of James. Yeah. And he has like the power to like be overbearing and like uh, tell him what to do and be a bully to him because he's <laughs> like an authority figure and he's just so petty. Yeah. Um, I like his pettiness. <laughs> I also, of, I saw like, all these characters have a lot of issues and they all need counseling. They're, they're oh, deep. Yeah. They have, they, they're like real people. It's weird how yeah. weird people have flaws. I like, I saw a video of the last movie. Someone pointed out the scene where, um, McGonagall gets up and starts, you know, shooting flares off at Snape and Snape is defending himself in the hallway. And mm -hmm. then out of, out of nowhere, he like does his circle one and he actually kills the two, um, 
Death Eaters behind him and then leaves. And like they're taught, they're doing a breakdown. They're like, everything Snape does is to protect Harry. He wasn't even willing to. Le- he could have left at any time. He wasn't even willing to leave that room until he knew Harry Potter was going to be okay. And he killed the two guys behind him and then took off. I was like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed that actually in that scene. Yeah, it's super cool. But it's funny though because in book six, as I'm re-listening to them right now for the podcast episode, like him and Dumbledore get in a fight in the forest and he's telling Dumbledore that he doesn't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So like he's still having like a really hard time with it and I wish that they'd shown more of that in the movies because I feel like it was just always like Alan Rickman he did a really good job of playing Snape but I wish there was more pettiness in him. Oh really? You want want more pettiness? (laughs) Yeah because I think that's a huge part of who he is like He's a dick to Sirius half the time. He aches him on every time he sees him. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are we all snaped out? Well, yeah. So so you're, you have another favorite character. Yeah. Category um, of characters. So then I guess if I had to pick between like all, this, all the students, um, I really love the twins. I think that they're super fun. Um, and I also think that Ginny Weasley is very underrated in the movies. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, you don't even know, Tyler. Oh, I you don't. Finished six or seven. <laughs> you didn't finish the look, other books. <laughs> look, just because I haven't finished the books doesn't mean I can't agree with you, you and be affirmative. I'm saying, I'm saying you don't know the full extent, though. <laughs> okay. I'm excited for you to know the full extent of how amazing Jenny <laughs> is. Okay. Um, and then I guess like from the Order of the Phoenix, um, it would be Tonks. And then I wish that we had gotten more of uh, Mad-Eye Moody even in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, Kingsley is also really wonderful. I, I always, <laughs> I was thinking about this last time of, and I've, it's been a while, but like what Mad-Eye Moody represents in, in, in Harry Potter's life, because that's what Harry Potter is going to grow up to be, right? Is what, what Mad-Eye does. And like, so there's kind of this I always look for when you have like a foreshadowing of a character through a character and I think that's almost and it's like this um it's like a warning to to that character like don't be so obsessed with getting the bad guy that you become like him right and so last time I was watching um I don't know I don't think it was the fourth movie I think it might have been the fifth I can't remember now, but like there was just kind of a moment where it's like, I feel like maybe at Harry's like maybe got an image of Mad-Eye. Like, I don't want to be like that. Like, I want to be better than that. Um, I don't know, because he's pretty obsessed with tearing down Malfoy and Snape up until the end <laughs> of the story. So I think that J.K. Rowling put Mad-Eye Moody there for that example. Yeah, but I don't think Harry ever like caught on to it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like the audience catches it, but Harry doesn't. Yeah, like as much as I love Harry, Harry has a lot of issues. He's very childish. He's very selfish. (laughs) Well, he is a child. Yeah. Yes, but like almost to like a really extreme point. Like, like he stopped growing at a certain point. (laughs) He he becomes less selfish and less reckless after Sirius dies. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. 
but he still is super obsessed with Malfoy because in book six, he's supposed to be spending his time figuring out what the Horcrux secrets is from Slughorn, but instead he's asking Dobby and Creature to spy on Malfoy. Mm-hmm. And he can't stop talking to Hermione and Ron about Malfoy. Mm. Like, so he he be, so it's almost it's not even for Harry what Moody could represent. It's more for the audience of like this is what Harry could end up becoming. Yeah, um, but I also think like there are good things about Mad Eye Moody. Like he teaches a lot of people less. Like he, I feel like he's kind of an extreme version of Dumbledore. Yeah. Hmm. Like, Dumbledore is aware of the precautions to take, but Dumbledore is clever about it versus Mad Eye's just like in your face about it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. He's like the the stereotypical doomsday prepper, like yeah. setting off uh, traps at his front door and stuff. Yeah. Um, but like, I think I have the biggest soft spot for Lupin, though, as a character. Yeah. Because in book seven, this scene never made it into the movie, and I'm really upset about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's the scene where um, Harry finds Lupin comes over to Grimald Palace, and um, Harry yells at him because he's decided to abandon Tonks when she's pregnant, because he's terrified that he could be a bad father because he's a werewolf, or maybe his kid will be a werewolf. And Harry just, like, goes off on him about what a terrible person he is for doing this and, like, how his father would be so disappointed in him. And I think it's, like, one of the most well-written scenes between two characters that, like, I've ever experienced. And I'm still upset to this day that it never made it into the film. And I almost even, forgot about that scene. Was there even plans to have that? Do you know if, like, I have it was no a idea. I don't even know if in anything? the... I don't think in the movie they... They don't touch oh, they on... Oh, did, they did say that Tonks was pregnant like at christmas or something they don't talk about how lupin has like daddy issues (laughs) yeah they don't they don't touch on the tonks and lupin stuff very much just enough to where you know like they're there well and that's true with so many side characters too you don't get their full story and yeah i really do like that scene now that you reminded me of it Yeah. yeah it's like my favorite scene in all the books and yeah, I really wish it was in the movies, but it, it is again really hard to get all that stuff in there when you're just trying to do the main plot. Yeah, absolutely. That's I think- why they need to do a Netflix show. <laughs> that Honestly, yes. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. I've talked about like the the whole process of making movies is is becoming null. Like the 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 fact that we have HBO and Hulu and Netflix and Amazon and all these companies where you can tell long form stories over several seasons has ruined any book ever becoming a movie to me ever again. Like if they, I think in the, cause Disney now owns the X-Men, right? They got the rights back to the X-Men. If they said, Hey, we're coming out with a new X-Men movie. I probably won't go see it. But if yeah. they were to say, Hey, there's going to be a new X-Men series on Disney plus I'm going to fucking cosplay and watch it from my living room like a nerd because it's going to be so much better as a long form process. There's so much X-Men material. And I think it'd be the same. It'd be better as a TV show or long form miniseries as, you know, Harry Potter. Yeah, I agree with that because like when it comes to books, like everything that happens in the Harry Potter books, the moments I enjoy the most are just character moments. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have time to do that in a movie, um, which is why, like, uh, it's the Netflix show on um, the how the hill on 
The House oh, on Haunted Hill. Haunting of Hill House? Yes, I hate that name because it's like a mix of two different movies. <laughs> so The Haunting of Hill House is like my favorite because I feel like it's all those character pieces and moments that you want out of a horror film that you don't have time to do. Yeah, absolutely. We did we did an episode on <laughs> Shirley Jackson and talked about how that show, while it is 100% nothing like the book, it is still a really good show. Yeah. I really like that show. Yeah. I hated that they bothered to call it Haunting of Hill House. They should have just called it something, something else. else. Yeah. Uh, What's the book called? The, uh, the Haunting, Haunting of Hill House. House. But it's oh, just okay. like the plot is nothing like, like literally oh. nothing like it. It, but, I, but because I, they probably use like the character names yeah. and like maybe where the story takes place, that they they had to keep it the same. So what my theory is, is that someone came to Netflix and had a really good, scary movie, you know, show, which was The Haunting of Hill House, but it was named something else. And then Netflix had probably just bought the rights to the Shirley Jackson um, estate because they also did a different Shirley Jackson movie or show based on one of her books. So they're like, hey, uh, writer of really good movies. Um, what if we just change some of their names and a little bit of their personalities and then just call it this haunting of Hill house? You'll, we'll get more ratings cause people already like that and your story's really good. So people will love it. And then they're like, yep, we're going to swap it around and slap a new name on it and we're done. I honest to God <laughs> think that that's what happened. I feel like that's what happened too, but I think I'm more okay with that than when they try to do a movie adaption and it's just really bad. Oh yeah, like, I'd rather it just be completely different than try to be that, but then change little things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Hannah, who is your favorite uh, teacher and non-Trinity character? <laughs> Of Harry Potter. Um, favorite teacher is probably Lupin, which is kind of a cop out because he only taught for one year. All yeah, I wish he was all dark longer. arts teachers yeah, taught true. for one year. It, it counts. <laughs> yeah, just because I I love Lupin. I think he's probably my favorite of the Marauders too. So, mm -hmm. um, and as a teacher, I think he played a really important role in in Harry's education for just that one year, and then became a recurring character in his life. Um. Out of the students, I mean, my my Harry Potter boyfriend has always been Fred Weasley. Ah. <laughs> um, so I mean, sort of Fred Weasley, but uh, other characters would. Why Fred? Um, you know, I really don't have a great reason for that. It's probably just because his name comes first, and Fred and George. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, I have a theory that he has more of the funny lines throughout the series, and With that seems to be backed up when I reread it. Which is the yeah, one that gets he does. Up. Um, George, I feel like is a slightly more reserved serious one. Yeah, yeah. He's a little bit more of the follower. So I, I always really liked uh, Fred Weasley, and because I was a deeply cynical <laughs> child and teenager, I was always like, oh, he's gonna die. Like <laughs> once it became apparent that J.K. Rowling was out to kill all your favorite characters, <laughs> I was like, yeah. my boyfriend doesn't make it to the end <laughs> no, of the no, series. No, no, I love George. I love George. <laughs> I love <more>. George. <laughs> It's like, nope. And yeah, so then reading the seventh book, I was like, damn it. Yeah. Seventh book is just all kind of sad news. All kind of sad news. Um, but other than than my my fictitious boyfriend, I, don't, I really like Neville. 
Like, I think he's a great That's character, cool. very underrated, just yeah, a good person. Yeah, he could have been the one, the chosen one. He could have been the chosen one. And I think she puts in so many, um, like, deeper storylines that are tied to Neville, like, with his parents and stuff, which didn't really make it into the movie at all. Like, in the fifth book, that one scene where Harry accidentally runs into Neville's parents at the hospital that just like really messed me up whenever I was reading that I was like oh my god this is so sad yeah Neville is a great example of the type of person that Harry could have been and like Neville has like really big self-esteem issues but like god is he less of a brat yes and his like grandmother belittles the shit out of him which I love in the sixth uh, book when they're getting their new timetables and um, he's really good at charms, and his grandmother thinks that charms are, like, for the week. And McGonagall's like, um, I can write a letter to your grandmother reminding her how bad she was at charms and that she should not be such a bitch to you. <laughs> <laughs> McGonagall like, is the greatest. <laughs> yeah, she's so sweet. Yeah. yeah, when she wants to be. Yes. She's very stern the rest of the time, but when it really counts, I think she's she's soft-hearted. I think, I'm, I, think I am... Uh, I kind of go for McGonagall a little bit because she reminds me of like my aunt where like my aunt is is she she's not as stern it's it'd be mean for me to be like she's as stern as McGonagall because like that's that's takes it to a whole nother level but like there's there's a bit about her where it's just like she can be stern and she can really put you in her place if you're if you're acting out she's like yo check yourself and it's <laughs> it's scary when she does it and so but then at the same time like if if like me or my cousins her her kids you know anyone that she is loves like if there's any danger there there's not even a little bit of hesitation she's the first one that's going to that's going to get your back and and watching the movies literally every single time McGonagall does something I'm like that's like my auntie Sean like that's exactly <laughs> like my auntie Sean I love McGonagall so much for that um so is she your favorite teacher Yes and no. I don't know if I have a favorite teacher. It's I'm being all self-conscious now because I'm waiting for, for me to be like, I like this person. You guys are like, oh, you don't even know. <laughs> this is like the tagline of this episode. Yeah. Like, you don't even know. You don't, don't even Tyler, know. Tyler, you don't even know. Um, I, I like Lupin a lot uh, because I just – I identify with someone who has a lot of self, self-esteem <laughs> issues and doesn't like who they are just in – in within themselves but then they have so much to offer especially to uh people that look up to them um i 100 identify with him so much and i'm waiting for you guys to be like you don't even know he's so like whatever and i'm like ah i guess you could ruin it but that's how i feel i think lupin's a very relatable character because um especially in the context of the marauders he was the one who always knew like they were kind of being assholes Mm. but also didn't have the courage to stand up to his friends which i think is something that a lot of people myself especially suffer from like just being like oh this is awful but i'm too scared to say anything speaking of that uh me and my friends die every time we watch the third movie because there's like a part where uh when snake comes up and uh, Sirius and Lupin are like being mean to Snape and like I can't remember exactly now what Sirius does but he says something to Lupin to like back off and his character just like crumples as he walks away (laughs) 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 and it just shows like how much like Sirius and James was like the ringleader of their group Yeah. and me and my friends like one night 
we were also drinking, but we literally rewinded that part like 10 times. It was so Oh my funny. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and I really it. appreciate that actor that plays Lupin because he just nailed him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as far as uh, kids go, uh, 100%. My favorite is Luna. Luna Lovegood. She is. I love her. She is one of the best people. And every time I watch the movies, I'm like, this this character. For first of all, Harry should have ended up with her because. <gasps> no. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard say that to me. Why would I anybody totally, think I'm that? I'm totally down for him being with Ginny. I totally get that. And he has a family with the Weasleys. And I and I 100% do that. But Luna Lovegood puts him in it movie wise. Luna Lovegood puts him in his place several times and really calls him to, to action a couple of times. And I and I and I know that's probably different in the books and or Ginny does it more in the books. I don't care. What I'm saying is Luna, from what I've seen, is one of the most stand up characters with all the whimsy. And then the fact that it's like nobody appreciates her except for like. Harry and a couple of other people. Yeah, they do have he, it seems like they have a lot of those like deep conversations that he maybe doesn't realize are deep and meaningful at the time, but later he's like, oh, she actually taught me something yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so that, like that's that's a frustrating thing is because Jenny, in my opinion, actually puts Harry more in his place throughout all the books. Really? Like, she calls him out, like, starting in like, um, book three? Because she's gotten like a little older and more mature, and she's like, um, Hermione is also like, Harry's like, why is Jenny talking to me all of a sudden? And Hermione's like, because she moved on from you and accepted that like you weren't going to date her, so now she's not like afraid to talk to you. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, I don't remember so, that. I don't remember any of that from three or four. I don't think that made it in the movie. Is no, it didn't make yeah. it in the movie. But so, even in oh, the books, like because I oh, read those, I just don't remember them. So like, there's a lot of stuff that. Um, Jenny does where she calls him out on his bullshit and then she'll like ask him a lot like if he's okay and like try and talk to him and um in book five especially when he's being like a total dick because he's like going through like his emo emotions of my life is so hard <laughs> like Hermione definitely tells him but she's like kind of scared to say like you're being a dick Jenny's like if you want to keep talking to me in that tone yeah. like she has no problem laying down the law with him I think Luna is um, like understanding because her mom died, so she knows what it's like to not have one of your parents. But she just comes off more to me as she kind of lives in her own world, like nothing phases her. So that's why I don't actually feel that she's good for Harry because she doesn't actually create change in him. She just allows him to kind of exist and maybe lessen some of like his sadness. But Ginny actually, like, makes him into a better person. And it's really frustrating that in the movies, there's, like, barely anything of Ginny being, like, the strong, badass woman that she is. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't exist in the movies. They give more interesting moments to Luna, and I think that's simply because she's a more, like, colorful character to have on screen. Sure. And they already have Hermione, so they can't have Ginny also. Yeah. And it's just upsets me a lot because I think that Ginny is a super underrated character and so when you say like Luna did all these things I think they gave a lot of Ginny characteristics to Luna just because she's more interesting to have on camera okay that makes a lot of sense sure yeah, yeah. yeah. 
still angry about this. <laughs> <laughs> you have every right to be. Jenny deserved better. She did. So I do agree with the fandom though, that a lot of people say Jenny and Luna should have dated, and I support that. Fandom. Yeah, I think that could have been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, did Luna end up with Neville? Am I remembering that correctly? In the movies, but not in the in books. The movies, not in them. She ended up with oh, who was the character? I feel like it wasn't Cormac McClag, and it was somebody else. It was some other like side character in the books. Oh, yeah. that's. And a shame. I know Neville ends up with the chick that ends up owning the the tavern or the bar or something. Yeah, so they don't end up with each other. I think in the movies they did it just because they were like the main ones of the DA. Yeah. So they wanted to pat- match them up with someone because honestly, in my opinion, like Neville and Luna would never be together. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard It's hard thinking of someone who would be perfect for Luna. She's <laughs> She's got a lot of personality. That's why... I'll have to like text you guys once I once I once I finish the seventh book. I'm in the sixth one right now and see who she's with again because um yeah it's actually we have the internet. I'm just gonna look it up right now. <laughs> That's <me>. amazing. Um, <laughs> so uh, anything else that we want to talk about before we close out this episode? Was there anything specific that you guys wanted to get to? How do you feel about the very last scene of the seventh book, the epilogue? Um, in what way? Like, I know a lot of people felt like it seemed like something that was tacked on at the very end. Oh, kitty. Mm-hmm. She's upset right now, so I have to give her attention. <sighs> um, I think this I'll- is Luna Lovegood, by the way. Oh, Luna. Oh, my God. Her eyes are so big. <laughs> kitty, 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 kitty. She's like, what is happening? What's happening? <laughs> but no, uh, just like, did you feel like it needed to be there? Did it add anything for Absolutely, you? Absolutely, 100%. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I emotionally needed that epilogue to see where they went. Um, I don't necessarily think the cursed child needed to exist. I feel like that's I, pretty standard. Most people don't like it, right? Well, yes. it had The issues with it are because it was not written by J.K. Rowling. Oh. That's a pretty big issue. She helped. I didn't realize create, that. She helped create the story, which, in my opinion, means that she was there for references. Yeah, she pulled um, the George Lucas. Yeah, I enjoyed the story. It was fun to go back into the world. They made a lot of really weird decisions, um, but um, I think that the reason why it bothered me is because. Um, I was talking to my friend about this the other day. She said she wants more um, sequels, but I actually prefer more like uh, prologues to the whole story because I also don't want to mess up like this happy ending that we've created for everyone. Right. So do you like the Fantastic Beasts movies? I do. Okay. I know a lot of people have issues with them. Um, I actually, I wish that they weren't such like a random side character, like, the fact that it's like about um, Newt's, it's Newt's commander, right? Yeah. Yeah, like he's cool, but it wasn't like super important to the story. And I think that's something Warner Brothers realized, which is why they started dwelling into um, uh, like, I can't think of words right now. Who's the, <laughs> who's the first bad guy before Voldemort? Yeah, I don't know oh, his name, Grim but something? Johnny Depp. Grindelwald. Grindelwald. Yes. Yeah, Grindelwald. So I think that's why they started dwelling into the Grindelwald story. Um, but I actually really liked the second one. David said he he thinks why a lot of people didn't like them that aren't book readers is because 
the book, that movie was written for people who've read the books. Yeah. There were a lot of cool, like, hidden fan Easter eggs, which really made me excited. Yeah. Um, and then I think also people just like to hate to hate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sure. is so true. So, like, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to move on, but um, yeah. finish your thought. Um, just, yeah, it's not important, but I, I really enjoy the movies. I think they're fun, and I'm excited to learn more about that world. I think there was, just real quick, I think there's also the whole Johnny Depp thing going on at that time. and. So, yeah, which I think. I honest to God, I think that really was one of their biggest kinks. Like it, it dampened it that was. second movie so much. Yeah, and there's a lot of like that whole situation is very gray. It's not black and white. Yeah. Um, I know that also J.K. Rowling is problematic herself. Yeah. I also think that Warner Brothers <laughs> probably put like you know their their fist down and said, you guys both have to make this public statement saying that it's fine and that you're on his side. Mm. Um, I don't think that the rest of the cast should suffer because everyone's like, oh, you're supporting his paycheck. And it's like, what about the lead actor? Yeah. He's a really good fucking actor. He, he has to suffer. And Everyone he takes else. some really good roles too. Some really defining roles as well. Yeah. And then we also have, um, what's her name from Big Little Lies? Um, which one? Lenny Kravitz's daughter. Oh, Zoe Kravitz? Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know she was in it. Yeah, she's in the second one, and her storyline is really cool, and it was really exciting to have a woman of color on screen. So I just feel like his his paycheck is so small, and compared to everyone else's paycheck combined, yeah, that like I'm not gonna take away from theirs to make him suffer that's a good point that is a good point and i think that's one that not a lot of people think about i agree yeah and everyone's like upset about some stuff jk rowling said which is why she's not my favorite author i think you can still enjoy her books and not enjoy her as a person but i do like these stories that she's created i i i i want to be careful with how i pose this because i i don't want to sound like i'm defending anybody or saying we should bury anything under the rug but you know something that i've that i've learned from our podcast is that most authors are assholes um most creative people most geniuses are some of the worst people that there are like learning about stephen king and like or not stephen king uh stephen hawking and the fact that like he's just straight up told his wife like hey i don't find you attractive anymore I'm going to be with my nurse because she actually takes care of me. He's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. You're not kind of. He's a fucking dick. Like the best, the best creatives, the best inventors, people who push the envelope in, in these ways tend to be awful, awful people. And we as a society have gotten to a place because we're so interconnected with uh, Twitter and, and Instagram and social media with, um, like when people put out a book it's not just a book it's a representation of who they are or that's how we want it to to be that's what we want um and and i i don't think that that's necessarily really the case you know you can you can have your career and and you can disassociate your creativeness from your awfulness and and it's hard and as a society it's hard for us to accept that but I think that there is, if we're going to start saying, you know, don't support people because they might be awful, then we're going to stop seeing really good creatives doing things. Well, I, I'm looking at Hannah because I've been talking too much. 
Um, uh, I was just going to suggest uh, wrapping it up on a lighter note. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you could choose one prequel to have J.K. Rowling write, who would it center on? Oh, with the Marauders, 100%. Okay. I will. Okay, Can we choose so a different want, one? Yeah, we already I talked about it. I would either want the Marauders or the original Order of the Phoenix. Ooh, that would be a good one. That would be really cool. Who's in the, who's like in the, the original? War. Because huh? that would be like Harry's parents, Neville's oh, okay. parents, gotcha. Mad Eye Moody, gotcha. McGonagall. It was when they first had to get the Order of Phoenix together. I w- yeah. I wanted to make sure it wasn't like some. I didn't know if you meant like some ancient version no. uh, that I've never heard of because I haven't read the books, and it's like, you know, I, I just wanted to make sure. No, just the original. <laughs> just the original. When yeah. Voldemort first came into power. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's get wrapped up, Allie. I want to thank you so much for hanging out with us. Of course. Um, okay, so I'm also an actress, and you can find me on the YouTubes, just with Allie Fitzgerald, um, and I actually just did a skit uh, for the first Harry Potter book called The Real Hogwarts Behind the Sorcerers, mm-hmm. um, and depending on when this comes out, I'll have, I'm basically going to do a skit for, like, all the books. Okay. Oh, nice. If anyone wants to check those out, I basically like make fun of Harry and Ron like really hard, and I make fun of Hermione in more of a loving way. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I do monologues and sketches, and I also have a original web series and two original short films and more original projects coming soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yay. And also, just to remind people, uh, where can they listen to your podcast? Um, everywhere on Apple, uh, Spotify finally put us up on Stitcher, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, which I realized that's actually a big deal because that's where Android listeners listen to because it's free. Oh, I um, we are on Google podcast now, which was super annoying because we were like on Google play, but I didn't know the Google podcast app existed. Mm-hmm. Google is just frustrating. So yeah, you can find us everywhere. Great. Uh, yeah. And the, the name of your show again is best friends playbook. Uh, I'm reminding myself. I'm not. Yeah, every time you say it, it's like I have to make sure I don't say it wrong. Uh, I realized that on our like when we did our first club, I think I accidentally said Lewis and Lovecraft. I forgot between. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I mean, we're, our Instagram is Lewis and Lovecraft. Our Gmail is Lewis. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I think that's why I like it threw off my brain. Yeah, uh, and then uh, again, Fables of Refuge. I'm so excited to yes. I'll, I will definitely check out the side quest but I'm really excited for when you guys get back into the main quest Thanks. yeah I know I miss playing Marza um, she is a tiefling sorcerer and then in the side campaign campaign I play Phalar who is a wood elf uh, ranger alright Allie well thank you for hanging out with us uh, you guys go check her stuff out and uh, thanks for hanging out audience with us yeah. with Hannah and I and checking out our our new little side gig here doing uh, some correspondence so there's no sign off for this show I don't know what to say theme music if there's anything I can tell you is that the best place to hide is in your mind in your mind